Salutations, creature lovers. This is Mr. Venom welcoming you to episode nine of No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. Uh, before we talk about our movie this week, let me go ahead and introduce my cohorts for the week. As usual, joining me is uh, from the Horror Countdown podcast, Mr. Don and Ellie. How the hell are you doing, Don? Yeah, great. It's always uh, fun to be here. All right. And from Cinema Attack. The Boston Brando, Mr. Derek B. How the fuck are you, Derek? Man, I think I watched the wrong movie because I, isn't John Goodman in one of these? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one we watched, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, and we actually have a guest with us this week. As uh, Derek, you were the one who kind of procured our guest this week. I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce him to the folks. Yes, I've been keeping this very secretive. For the listeners of our other show, you know, it's a guest that it's a guy I always wanted to work with. I always heard him, and ironically enough, I was gonna work with him on this month's summer series, this year's summer series, but uh, things happened, and he ended up switching his year, which you know, it happens. This is no time to introduce him. You probably heard him if you listen to the podcast under the stairs. He's been on multiple shows for that, like especially like that. Uh, what the hell are those things called where they Duncan makes you watch a movie and movie club? It, yeah, movie club. There we go. Thank you, thank you, Don. That's what you're here for. <laughs> uh, he also did a episode of Chronicle on the new season, which was pretty great on and soon the darkness. Uh, this is and he has his own podcast as well. He's a podcaster himself. Does a like a solo show, I believe, uh, and that is David Garrett Jr. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been kind of interesting. I was actually bummed, Derek, that I ended up getting moved off that year because I wanted to work with you over there. And it's also nice, Don, that we've uh, we've done a lot of movie club stuff, but never actually you know been on the officially the same episode. Well, I mean, I've I've had to take a hiatus from that because of my show where I've had absolutely zero time to do anything, um, coupled with my general disinterest in what Duncan's uh, movie clubs have been. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Well, I mean, he did Cronenberg. I mean, come on. That's not my cup of tea. <laughs> Shots fired again. Well, David, welcome to the show. Very happy that you could join us. And as is usually the case with new ho- uh, new guests on our show, um, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Maybe just try to find out a little bit of your history with creature features. Where did your love for creature features begin? What are some of your favorites? Things like that. So I'm going to go ahead and yield the floor to you, my friend. Okay, perfect. Um, I mean, I guess the earliest with me probably would be like my sister and I, when we were growing up watching like Godzilla films, they always seemed to be on either network television where we would watch them there. And then when we ended up moving out of the city, we always have like movie channels and they always seem to be on some of those as well. And I mean, and then from there, I kind of end up like falling into the like Anaconda and like Lake Placid movies. And that kind of got me on to like the more eco horror type ones. So that's kind of where I got into them. And, you know, as you kind of start to look into more of the films that were popular from those ones, you kind of find some of the other ones like Alligator and whatnot. (laughs) Alligator. That sounds familiar. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, 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 yo. (laughs) <laughs> what are what are like maybe some modern creature features like maybe over the last 10 15 years that have really impressed you um i personally liked uh monster i think that was the one uh bertino i think is the the one who directed that one i really end up liking that movie quite a bit especially with some of the kind of commentary that come with that one mm-hmm. obviously the whole monster verse type stuff is kind of always interests me not necessarily the ones that have come out the most recently one like kong skull island was one that really kind of impressed me as well yes yeah awesome well you're definitely at home here on the show my friend every Perfect. every movie you listed off is something that i would deem a classic so yeah including monster i i actually am a big fan of monster i love the subtext of that film and that hopeful ending that you get which i know kind of goes over a lot of people's heads but it's definitely a metaphor, but yeah, just a, a great little film. Nice, isolated creature feature. I loved it. Yeah, I love that movie, too. All right, gentlemen. Well, before we get into our movie this week, I actually wanted to ask a question of the group. Now, since we have started this show, obviously, this is episode nine, so we've been going nine months. Oh, long enough to have a baby. Go figure. <laughs> and uh, Vanilla. We, we <laughs> Manili. Oh. Uh, So I I wanted to kind of ask, since we don't really, at least in the last nine months anyway, we haven't had a whole lot of creature feature releases. Um, Over the past month, we actually did have a new creature feature coming to us from Finland. This actually did get a short theatrical run. I was able to see it in theaters out here in L.A., one of the lucky ones I know. And the movie is now currently available on VOD. And believe it or not, it's going to actually be the film that we discuss on the next episode of Fresh Cuts. But I think it's fairly safe to speak about it today because by the time you're listening to this, Fresh Cuts would have been out for pretty close to a week by now. So that movie is, of course, Hatching. A movie that, as anybody who listens to my shows knows, I don't watch trailers or read any kind of reviews or synopses before I go to see a film. So... All I knew about this movie is that it was a Finnish horror film playing at an AMC. I mean, I actually got to see it on a giant screen, not quite IMAX, but a pretty big ass screen for foreign horror. Man, I absolutely love this movie. Spoiler alert for Fresh Cuts if you haven't heard that episode yet. But yeah, 
the, the movie really, really spoke to me. I love the creature design here. Um, I think the story, the story, which is a very obvious metaphor, um, I'm I'm not going to bring up the metaphor, obviously, because it's going to give away too much of the story, but just something that really struck me, just a a really beautiful story and an ending that you really don't expect that you you don't kind of see coming. But once you see the ending, it's like an aha moment, at least if you're kind of aware of the metaphor that they're going for. But yeah, as soon as we get that ending literally the final word spoken in the movie. It's like, ah, now I get it. So I wanted to just kind of throw it out there. I know we're going to be doing it on Fresh Cuts, so I'm not sure if Don or Derek have seen it yet. But David, I know you've seen it. Um, you want to give us a couple of your uh, your thoughts on that one? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you is that I didn't necessarily know what I was going to get into like when I went to see it. Because it actually came to, I have an independent theater by me that they get a lot of those type of movies. So I end up, I'm a member there, so I go there as often as I can. I really did dig what they kind of do with the creature in it and kind of the implications that come from it as well. And I mean, the subtext, I'm right there with you, is just on point where I can see people that I knew growing up and how it connected with them. Um, Derek and Don, am I assuming correctly that you guys haven't seen it yet? Uh, yeah, yet. It's, yeah, it's just before Fresh Cuts for me, so I haven't seen it yet. I usually, awesome. I usually try to be as uh, fresh as I can with my takes, so I usually save it, if uh, possible, for uh, the day of recording. So sure, sure, keep it fresh. No pun intended. Yeah, I, like I try. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet either. I, I have it rented, but I haven't watched it yet. Awesome. Well, folks, if you have not seen it, it sounds like David and myself will recommend it. It's not your traditional creature feature by any stretch. In fact, the movie like the the movie didn't even go the way I was thinking. Like, I honestly thought it was going to be like um, an A24 style movie where it was going to be like very slow paced. And then like the actual climax of the movie would be the egg hatching. But no, no, they subvert that expectation quickly in the film. And I, and for the better, in my opinion, you know, the fact that we actually get the creature for the majority of the film is uh, definitely a benefit. So yeah, folks, um, I doubt it's playing in theaters at this point. It's already been out for like three or four weeks. So the likelihood of this still playing anywhere near you is slim, but it is available on VOD. And as I've already said, it is the next episode of Fresh Cuts. So if you're interested, go ahead and watch the movie and then join us on the lead, uh, excuse me, on the Dark Discussions podcast network and check out the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. All right, that being said, Let's start talking about our next movie, our, well, our feature review for the week, I should say. Um, This film was released theatrically in 2008. A big, big release from a big producer at the time, J.J. Abrams, pretty much owned the 2000s with his television and film work. And in 2008, he gave us Cloverfield. And that is our topic for discussion for today. I'm going to go ahead and play the trailer right now, and as soon as we're done with that, we're going to come back and let you know our thoughts on Cloverfield. Don't go away, folks. I got a feeling it's going to get heated. We'll be right back.
My name is Robert Hawkins. Approximately seven hours ago, uh, something attacked the city. Um, you found this. If you're watching this, then you know more about it than I do. Hello? Beth? Beth, where are you? Hey, we cannot go into the middle of the city! We gotta get out of here! There's nothing you can do for now! You know what that thing is? Whatever it is, it's winning. Do you have any idea what's happening? I don't care what's out there. Listen to me, she's dying. Turn that camera... All right, folks, we are back. That was, of course, the trailer for 2008's Cloverfield. Before we start, this film is rated PG-13. It has a runtime of one hour, 25 minutes. And the synopsis is as follows. A group of friends venture deep into the streets of New York on a rescue mission during a rampaging monster attack. I like it. Short and sweet, right to the point, exactly what we're in for. So let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and start with our guests. So, David, um, tell us a little bit about the first time you saw Cloverfield and what you think of the film overall. I actually think the first time I saw this, I missed it in the theaters because it was right around the time that I had graduated college and then had moved back. So I think it kind of was in a period like that. I ended up renting it and I didn't I was kind of leery about it just because at that time I really was just now getting back into like newer horror movies. But I ended up really enjoying this the first time around. And this is one that I've watched quite a few times since then. And there's usually little things that I notice every time I view it that kind of gives me a deeper appreciation for this one. Absolutely. Don, why don't you come on in here and start, <laughs> let's, let's start the heated exchange now. <laughs> yeah, I am not a fan of this one. Um, I, I have to start at the very beginning. This is one of the most unlikable and just absolutely wretched cast of characters that we're asked to follow in a kaiju film. I, I know that's like one of the the big things that we're supposed to be doing here in these kinds of films is, you know, you want a human cast to, you know, balance the monster action off of the human cast in this is just atrocious. Um I I could care less about any of these people's problems. I don't give a crap who's you know, banging who, who's lusting after who, you know, who's leaving the country. I mean, good riddance. I, I mean, this is just, a, I, I, I can't stand any of it. The, the fact that, you know, all of them are just so disposable that it, it just makes the action so unbearable during the monster rampage because every single interaction with them is some kind of strange coincidence that saves them. And it's like, it shouldn't play out like that. There's no way that, you know, these people are getting saved in the means that they are based on, like, the interactions of the monster around them. It's like, you know, how many, 
you know, lucky breaks can this group have to come out on, unscathed? And it, it just gets more ri- ridiculous and ludicrous as it goes on. The twist involving the military is just absolutely wretched. Um, I mean, the... I, I see where they're going with the concept and I'll try not to be as spoil I'll try to, you know, not be spoiler about it, but I I think the idea is there. Um I, I think the concept of what it's doing isn't bad, but it it just doesn't really come off that well. And the whole nail in the coffin for me is the fact that this is a found footage film detailing the survivors getting out of the city during a monster attack. During a monster attack you want to see the monster smashing shit. You want to see the monster, you know, blowing build, you know, blowing the military away or, you know, smashing stuff and, you know, cr- you know, sending debris running raining down on the people. Because of what's going on with the found footage thing, I mean, that's, you know, a whole separate thing and I'll get into a rant about that in a few seconds, but the fact that you're trying to get away from the creature means you're not focusing the action on the important parts. There's so many cutaway shots just as the monster is about to do something where it's, you know, crashing through this apartment complex. And then all of a sudden, Oh, we got to cut away because, you know, I don't want to get the debris raining down on my head and you don't see anything, you know, you just get like this chaotic blur that just, it renders everything just completely incomprehensible. And then found footage. I I mean, the idea of who in the fuck is keeping a video camera recorded during this entire mission. I mean, ugh, I, I, you, you fail the fundamental rule of found footage is why is somebody filming this? Who in the hell is running several flights of stairs down back to retrieve a video camera in the middle of a monster rampage to record the idea of what's going on? No, you get your ass up and you get the hell out of the damn city. Fuck your camera. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I mean, you know, it, it fails the fundamental found footage thing. The monster action is always cut away from because, you know, you're, the people are trying to get out of the way, so they're not going to get killed. Ugh. I, I, I'm just, I'm not a fan of this. I, I've never been a fan of it. Um, I've never really seen the big deal with it. Clover looks cool. I'll admit that. Uh, the, the central concept for Clover, because we get a few shots of him at the end, which... Uh, but, yeah, overall, um, there's... For me, at least, um, just so few positives and uh, the whole heaping crap load of negatives, so... All right. Ah, so how do you really feel, Don? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to come in here next just so I can be the palate cleanser for Don. I am going to be coming in on the complete opposite end of the spectrum from Don. I fucking love this movie. I am a huge fan of found footage. And having said that, I will admit that Don is not 100% incorrect. Why are they carrying a camera? That That is always the number one failing of any found footage movie is why is the camera still filming? You have to give us a valid reason. You know, if if you do something like with a body cam, like with a police body cam, that makes sense because they're not holding the camera. It's attached to them. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a found footage movie about an alien uh, invasion where the camera was actually inside of one of the characters glass eyes. 
they actually took an iPhone 4 camera out of the phone and inserted it into a glass eye that one of the characters in the movie actually wore. The, the movie is just okay. I'm not. I can't even remember the title of it anyway. Oh, I was um, about to ask because that actually sounds kind of cool. Yes, that's what I mean. The concept of that one was cool. And actually, I'll try to find that title for you because I think Don, you might actually get into this movie a little bit. But anyway, like Don says, that is always going to be the major failing of a found footage movie. You know, why am I still watching? Uh, I, that was the biggest issue I had with Host from 2020, a movie that people were raving about. And admittedly, yes, it is a good film. But there is no reason for that final character to be walking around with her laptop. laptop. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're the final survivor and you're walking around with the laptop. Not to light the area either. Literally just to film. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm not going to forgive that. So, you know, like I said, I love this movie. I genuinely do. It is definitely a huge guilty pleasure for me. But I will admit, you know, Don has a couple of good points. Another point that Don made was about the characters. Uh, these characters, they, they're kind of shitty people. Like, the only likable character, I think, in this movie, I guess, is Hudson, uh, who's, you know, called HUD throughout the film, which I guess is kind of an inside joke since he's holding the camera. And, of course... Oh, I thought it was a joke on the Hudson River. Uh, potentially, but, you know, HUD in the video game world stands for heads-up display. So basically, you know, the, all the stuff that you're seeing on screen that's not part of the game world, um, like stats and how much ammo you have left, shit like that, that's called the HUD. So I thought it was kind of a clever little thing, them, you know, calling the character HUD. But the fact that his full name is Hudson, so it kind of makes sense that they uh, shortened it without him being some kind of AV specialist either. So, But, I mean, our main characters, you know, I, I don't feel bad for Beth or um, what's his name? Uh, Rob. Like I, yeah. you know, when it comes to good looking, good looking people that don't pull the trigger on something that's very obviously there, I'm not going to sympathize with that. I'm sorry. I'm an old man and I know that time is fleeting and fuck that. If, if there's an opportunity to get with a good looking girl like Beth, you fucking do it. You don't pussyfoot around, but yeah, as we get more story of what happened between Rob and Beth on that fateful day, you know, you start to learn that Rob kind of is a douchebag anyway. So between Rob Hawkins being an asshole to Beth, between Beth bringing another man to this party only two weeks after she sleeps with the host, Jason, you know, having this beautiful black girlfriend and then just basically doing the opposite of everything she asks him throughout the movie. Yeah, these aren't the most likable characters out there. And I can see how HUD would even be a little annoying to a certain type of person. I myself am a fan of T.J. Miller. I, I love T.J. Miller. I think it's funny. Um, so he works for me in this role, but I could also see how he might take other viewers out of the movie because it is him and you know he's the very obvious only comedian in the movie blah 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 so so yeah don has some valid points but otherwise dude i fucking love this movie i love almost every minute of it i am a huge found footage fan as i've already mentioned and the I personally feel that them using found footage as a filming technique for this movie was absolute brilliant because nothing gives you the level of immersion that found footage gives you. Now, um, I saw this movie in theaters. I, you know, I was one of the lucky ones that got to see this opening weekend in theaters. And let me, let me tell you, in the theater, in a blackened room, on a giant screen, this movie is unnerving. 
Um, if you allow it to be, of course, if you're going to be a skeptic and everything, you know, blah, 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 then you're doing yourself a disservice. I don't care about you. But I mean, if you allow this movie to kind of, you know, get under your skin, it can. I, I will say I feel bad for people who didn't see this in theaters because this is a theater movie. I wouldn't normally say that about a found footage film because I, with found footage, I generally think they're better at home. But this one in particular, because of its scale, because of its scope, because it's New York City, which, you know, of course, well, it's supposed to be New York City anyway. They actually shot in L.A., but we'll talk about that later. So it just gives that that kind of grand scope of the whole thing that America's greatest city is being marauded by this fucking monster. It just really adds so much to it for me. I think the creature effects are spectacular. I mean, it's all 100 percent CG, but you know what? I, I'm very okay with it to the point where apparently the ticks, um, the parasites that fall off the Cloverfield monster, were supposed to be practical. Uh, and JJ actually, JJ and the director uh, Matt actually did shoot a couple of scenes with the practical ticks, and they hated it. They said it just looked awful in the, uh, you know, the night vision cameras. It, it just, it, it looked too fake he said for him so they replaced the entire thing with cg ultimately i'm okay with it i mean at least they tried it practical and it didn't work so i'll give them credit for that but yeah i mean for me i love this movie i'm going to try to cut my general thoughts off here and just say that i absolutely love this movie i will kind of defend its shortcomings and the movie has like we've already discussed a couple and i'm sure we'll discuss a couple more as the episode goes along the movie is not perfect. It is an imperfect movie, but if you can accept it for what it is and maybe, you know, I understand Don's point about these characters being shitty, but if I judged my kaiju movies based on the human characters, I don't even know that I'd be a kaiju fan because, you know, three of us, the three of us on this show are all alumni of underwater kaiju from outer space. And we've seen plenty of movies where the human characters almost ruin a really good kaiju movie. Godzilla versus Gigan. (laughs) (laughs) Young Gari. Anyway, so, you know, like I said, if if a viewer like Don just gets turned off to the film early on by shitty characters, shitty filmmaking techniques, something that he doesn't like, then it just makes sense that the movie's never going to come around to him. But for me, I was on, on board for this movie from day one. Absolutely loved it. Um, obviously, on this watch, especially in 4K, you kind of notice um, a few more imperfections here and there with the effects. N- nothing major, nothing even really worth noting. But, you know, sometimes 4K is awesome, and some sometimes it's the worst enemy of CGI effects. So there's that. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and cut myself off short here, because once again, just like with the sadness this past week on Fresh Cuts, I can talk about this movie for hours if you let me. So, Derek, why don't you come on in here and tell me what you think about Cloverfield? Okay, so when this movie was first, like, being released, I remember, like, all, like, the ads and stuff. You know, like the fake website you could go to for this yep. movie. It was great. I was, uh, we had rumors. We were talking about it at work. What the hell is this movie? <laughs> and this is a giant monster. And we like even joked like one day because this guy I used to work with was a huge ghost versus fan. What if it's like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man? <laughs> 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 That'd be amazing. But anyways. I didn't get the chance to see this in theaters, unfortunately, but I did like buy the DVD right away because the cover art of this movie is fucking amazing because mm-hmm. it's the fucking Statue of Liberty with its head torn off. Yeah. 
actually plays into the movie later in like the first like twenty minutes, which is great. I won't spoil it yet. You know, Rob, I can give a fuck less about his <laughs> death problems, and I actually do like T.J. Miller as HUD. I actually didn't know who T.J. Miller was until this movie, <laughs> but uh, this is actually the first thing I ever seen him in. Uh, I also actually like the Marlene character because she's kind of my spirit animal. She just goes to parties to get shit faced. <laughs> you know, how could you not hate a character like that? You know, that's my life. <laughs> it's whatever, and you know, because I did actually recognize a lot of act like Mike Vogel plays Jason Hawkins, mm-hmm. and I've seen him in movies before. He was in the TCM remake a few years before this movie. Wait a minute, this is the guy from TCM. This is fake. You know, know, like, you know, like one of the guys was on a bunch of JJ. A lot of the cast members are like cast members from JJ Abrams TV shows, you know, which actually brings me to my thing that I like about this movie a lot because Matt Reeves and Drew Goddard, the director and writer of this movie, went on to do other things after this. Like Matt Reeves just directed the new Batman film. Mm -hmm. And Drew Goddard would later on to do like uh, Cabin in the Woods. What the, what's that movie he did with Jeff Bridges, Last Tango and Royale or something? Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the title offhand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another thing that I really love this movie is the end credit score by Michael Giacchini. Uh, it was a composer. I didn't even know who he was until I heard that. And I, I care if Hubei based the musical score. If you actually, I have it on my iPod, that whole thing, it's like an eight minute fucking rendition. It's called roar. You know, it plays during the end credits. And, you know, he went on to compose like the new spider man shit. And he's a big composer now. And, you know, I didn't even know who he was at the time. And he composed a few of my favorite, like video games and shit, like call of duty and shit. And even like some Disney shit, like up and, Ratatouille before this movie. Hmm. So it was like cool to see like these guys like this is like their big starting movie, you know. You know, it's crazy in that sense. And you know, I love the look of Clover, you know what we get to see of it. You know, we get to see that giant wide shot of it when, you know, later on when they go in the helicopter, which is pretty fucking gnarly. Hmm. It it's weird for me with some aspects of him because it feels like his size shrinks later on in the movie <laughs> with a certain character. It's weird. Like they don't get his like height actually. I do like the backstory that Matt Reeves gives that it's a baby and it's looking for its mother because it kind of feels like that when you do see it in its yeah. shots. But, uh, yeah, I love Cloverfield. You know, it does have its imperfections. Like I said, uh, the, the thing with found footage movies with me I I don't have I can't know any of the actors when I'm going into it because it just takes me out of the that aspect. Oh, you know, but you know there, there was a few actors I didn't know in the movie either. Which before they became famous, you know, ironically enough, uh, I know uh, Venom's a big fan of underwater. Yeah. Is it is it weird that the guy from T J Miller and the other guy from Ten Cloverfield Lane are in underwater? <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, Cloverfield. I like it. Nice. All right. Um, well, 
Let's talk about the movie a little bit. Not really much of a walkthrough to really go through. It's really just Clover shows up and tears shit up, and that's about it. <laughs> and then we get our ending, um, which is a very ambiguous ending too. Unfortunately, you know, we don't we don't really ever get confirmation that they got Clover or that you know that the the horror is over. It's just kind of since the story of the people that we're following ends, the movie ends. That's kind of the regular formula with found footage. Once the last cameraman dies, the movie's over. There's no one else to hold the camera. So, and we get a lot of that here. We're basically, you know, once our last two characters are dispatched, the movie kind of ends. I, I got to say for me, the highlight of this film, as much as I love Clover as design, uh, you know, the shots of him marauding through the city, it's got to be these ticks, man. The, these yeah. fucking parasites are goddamn terrifying. And to actually watch the behind the scenes and to actually find out that they did have practical, if you watch the behind the scenes footage on the new 4K release and probably on the, the Blu-ray as well, there's actually footage of the practical ticks that they had. Um, you know, they had like one that was just a bust shot that, you know, w- with a moving jaw so that it could bite down on people. And then they had a whole one with moving legs. But, you know, if they were statues that weren't meant to move, they look cool as shit. But once they kind of move, they look silly. They kind of look like big old toys. So as I said earlier, I appreciate it. I would buy a toy yeah. of it. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, I, I shit. If I could buy a clover with like a couple of extra ticks to go with it to kind of put around them on the bottom, I, I would buy that in a second. Hell yeah. Yes, folks, we're corporate whores, so deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, my my favorite like part of the movie is just when the statue of Libby's head just flies in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing I ever fucking thought about when I watched this was Oh, cool, it's the escape from New York poster live action. <laughs> you know it's fucking great and another thing it just shows you like what the how big is this fucking thing <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> you know, I mean they mention it they say 350 feet high 35 stories I think is the exact number they give us and, and not in the film either this is uh, special features mm-hmm. that they give us this value but Derek is kind of right that it, it it seems like Clover's size tends to fluctuate because I mean, if if he was a 350-foot-tall monster, what is the likelihood that he's going to see T.J. Miller on the ground below him? It just seems really odd to me. Like, I, I can understand if T.J. was, like, running away or if a character's running away, you know, the, the large creatures like that, their sight is sometimes based on, or their vision is sometimes based on movement. So, you know, I, I could almost understand it if he was running away. But he was literally just standing still, laying on the ground. Clover looks down, makes his little face, and bites down on him. A little bit of suspension of disbelief there, because it just doesn't seem like... I mean, that's not even a chicken McNugget to Clover, you know? A, yeah, a, a single human is like nothing. Like, why is he even making the effort? Like, why not just squish him? You, you know what I mean? So Why didn't you I, just follow him? I don't get that. Like, it, like yeah. it feels like half of him like, flies back down. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yes, yes. Now, the only... I mean, we could chalk that up to, you know, Clover being a baby and maybe just not really, you know, understanding the assignment, if you will. He has no teeth yet. He has gums. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's a distinct possibility as well. Yeah, I mean, we don't, I don't think we ever, we, he's got those kind of protrusions on the outside of his mouth that kind of yeah. look like fangs, but, you know, they they could just be scales or something. But yeah, I mean, the fact that he is a baby that we've gotten this confirmation from Matt Reeves over the years really, really kind of changes 
the narrative a little bit here because he he goes from a marauding monster looking to destroy a city to a scared child just trying to find his mother and if you really kind of come to terms with that, it adds an element to this movie that I think a lot of people don't give it credit for. David, uh, jump in here on this topic. Like, what do you think? Like, what'd you think the first time you heard that Clover was actually a child? And like, did it make sense to you? I'll say it does, because it almost feels like when the military is like attacking it, it's trying to get away. And I mean, I guess that would explain it's more like erratic kind of where it's going and everything because at one minute it's you know in the water and it's knocking over the bridge and everything and then you know the military keeps attacking it so then it's going this way and it almost feels like at times to me especially after i heard that type of thing that it is just trying to escape and try to find a place to hide and anytime something attacks it it just you know lashes out and then tries to get away Mm-hmm. And you can, if you look really close too, like when the military successfully attacks Clover, look at the faces that Clover is making. They're not like roars of anger where he's like furrowing his brow and looking mm-hmm. to destroy you. It's fear. Like right. he's legit scared. I mean, I mean, sometimes we think that he's like roaring, quote unquote. I legit think he's crying. In some of those instances, he's he, mm-hmm. he's just calling out for his mother, you know, a, a, just a safe haven of some kind. And, you know, obviously has to sit there and, you know, take this abuse uh, from the military. You know, uh, that's that's Kaiju filmmaking 101. So, yeah, man, once once I heard that story, it, it added such a huge element to this thing. It, it really actually made me like the movie more because it's like. I, I, when you think about it, there's no antagonist in this film. I mean, I, I I don't look at Clover as, yes, he's the quote unquote bad guy, if you will. But again, as I've said this before, and I'll say it a shitload more over the course of this show, the creatures are almost always sympathetic characters. And in this in this case, even more so, because this is just a confused child trying to get out of New York City but these stupid little ants keep shooting rockets and shit at them, and, you know, it's it's bugging the hell out of them. So, yeah, absolutely love that. Don, I know you had some general thoughts, you know, a lot of negative stuff about that, but um, why don't you jump in with some positive stuff about the film that you like? You know, I, I know it's probably not a whole lot, but anything you want to highlight? Well, there, there was a few, and you guys have mentioned it. Um, like I said, I, I do like a lot of where it goes with the military attacks, even though I, I don't really enjoy the the fact that, you know, because they're trying to get away from the confrontations, so they're trying to, like, not focus on it as much. What we do get is actually pretty enjoyable. Um, I, I do like the scene where they're, you know, watching it through the department store. I, I, I don't think it's the department store. I think it's that um, oh, electronic... Bodega. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Where they're watching the attack on the the creature through on the TV screens there. I I thought that one was really cool. Um, I mean, you guys mentioned the you know tunnel sequence with the ticks. I mean, that thing is fantastic. Um, the one scene that I I did like, and it was kind of one of the big scenes that was in the trailer was the one where the tank just goes screaming down the street, just blaring straight at it. And they just like dive at it right at the last second. And you see like the creature and you see Clover on like the intersection across mm-hmm. the street. And then it's like, you know, all of a sudden it's like, you know, Oh my God, we got to leave. Uh, I thought that one was actually kind of quite chilling just yeah. because it's like, you know, you get this uh, jump scare, just jumping out of the way of the tank and you hear like the blaring of the things, you know, just like driving by and then you turn around and look and you know clovers like you know, on the other intersection just you know, like charging straight at him so it, it, it's not a complete waste i mean i i do have like individual scenes but like that's kind of where a lot of my 
positives are is uh, just, you know, individual scenes. This is actually the first time I've watched it since I've heard the theory about Clover being an infant. Mm-hmm. Just, because, just because I had put off watching it for so long because I wasn't such a fan of it. So, sure, sure. yeah, this is actually the first time I've watched it since I heard the theory um, nearly a decade ago. <laughs> did it? I mean, did it? Did it add anything to the movie for you, or is it just a dumb plot point? I I I, I see where the the theory goes. I mean, I I don't know if I would have appreciated it had it been introduced in film. I, I I'm always really really weird with the way I because I don't really watch movies trying to bring outside information into it, mm-hmm. like knowing like oh well my intent was you know to do this this and this with it or I, I mean you know it's kind of like you know hard watching in like a Serbian film knowing that, you know, after the fact that it's, you know, a commentary on the state of Serbia by, you know, you know, the, how, how they live in modern day times, you know, it's really hard watching a film after the fact, knowing, you know, outside intentions by the filmmakers, you know, I'd rather either have it spelled out in the movie or be so obvious that it's hard to miss. And then hearing about it after the fact that would, confirm my thoughts you know i i, I want to do the work myself not have it be told to me yeah so i i don't really know how i would feel if it was introduced in the film knowing that it knowing the theory it does make sense i mean you i do know where you're coming from a lot of you know the the attacks don't look like it's anger because mm-hmm. if it is anger it's a 350 foot monster he's not standing around taking shit if he is angry <laughs> Right. I mean, that kind of just, I mean, it does play a little bit when you realize that he's standing there just taking hits. You know, he, I mean, he's not just, you know, ow, stop it. And you just, you know, like smashes something just to like, you know, make it stop. Yeah. I mean, you know, a thing that size, that's kind of like the reaction you would get. I mean, you know, look at how Godzilla is. He, you know, he's minding his own business. He's just trampling through the countryside. And then, you know, all of a sudden you know, they start shooting those maser beams at him and then he just turns like, ow, stop it. And then he just, you know, blasts them with this thing and just blows them up. So it's like, you know, he's not attacking them until they, until, you know, they attack him first. But if he does, there's like a sense of anger to it that stop it and quit it. This year, he just, Culver just seems to take it, which I, I can kind of understand if that theory is true, that that would make sense. So, like I said, I, I don't know how I would feel if it was information revealed within the film. Like, you know, there's some kind of, like, you know, if they get to the, you know, at the end where they're in the military tents and, you know, one of the samples comes back and, you know, the scientist says, you know, hey, well, I've just managed to, you know, do this study on it. And, uh, I hate to tell you this, but these samples look like they're, you know, just basically re- they're like brand new like these cells don't look like they're the you know the cells of like some you know marauding decade you know eons old creature this thing looks like it's brand new uh-huh. i mean i don't know if there would be uh, like if there was like a scene like that you know at the end how i would feel about it like you know kind of like just putting the little thought out there like you know hey the, you know we just analyzed this shit and it's not as old as we think it is i think this could be an infant mm-hmm. 
I'll answer that for you. I don't think I would have liked it as much. I, I'm not the biggest fan of exposition. Um, not to say that I don't like, you know, getting a plot point served to me on a silver platter every now and then. But I do like a little bit of ambiguity with my stories. I mean, you guys have podcasted with me long enough to know that I, I do kind of enjoy that kind of little bit of mystery, that little bit of ambiguity to it. But had they included that in the movie, I would have looked at that as exposition, and I don't think I would have enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think finding out that fact after the fact, like years after the fact, I just added it to me because because it made it a whole nother movie for me. Like I already enjoyed it when I saw it in theaters. And then like six months to a year later, when that information came out, I watched it again on video and it, it just made it a whole nother movie. I just I found myself enjoying it a little bit more, just a little bit more, not a lot. It, it's not like it made an eight out of 10, a 10 out of 10 by any stretch, but you know, it, it just added that extra element to the movie that I really enjoyed. Going back to the ticks, I, I, I got to bring up the sound design for these ticks. The, mm. This this was some terrifying sound design. Now, yeah, uh, the shriek I, is one thing. Like the shriek that they make, that is you know kind of your basic shriek that you would expect any creature to make. But yeah. then the grumble. Did you guys notice the grumble that they made? That fucking was terrifying to me. Basically, anytime one of the ticks would attack someone, but the, the attack wouldn't be a success, they would do this really low pitch grumble, this like guttural grumble that like you only hear it a couple of times in the film and it's only mm -hmm. during the subway scene. Mm -hmm. But holy shit, as a sound designer, for those that don't know, I am an audio producer, uh, an audio engineer. As an audio engineer, that sound effect was spectacular. Like I said, the shriek was good. You know, it's your basic shriek, okay. But fuck, that grumble was unnerving to say yeah. the least. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say like, yeah, the fucking designs of the ticks and clover are fucking. I gotta give a shout out to Neville Page who did the the designs of the creatures of this movie. Uh, he would later go to do Prometheus later, which. Even some of like the creatures in this kind of look like they would be in Prometheus as well, <laughs> with all those weird squids and fucking, exactly. you know, like these effects it, were done at Phil Tippett Studio, right? Did I in one of the special features I saw the Tippett Studio sign in the background? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. I, I could swear I saw it in the credits as well. Okay, yeah. that that makes even yeah. more sense. Thank you. But yeah, I saw that. I saw that sign in the background of the uh, special features. I had no idea, you know, that Phil Tippett Studio had anything to do with it. <laughs> More reason for me to like this movie, I guess. Yeah. For those sure. who don't know, Phil Tippett is probably the master of stop motion animation, you know, claymation stuff like that. So uh, just some spectacular work that he's done, and he's still working to this day. Go figure. Rock on. How about when fucking Marlena fucking gets her head blown off? <laughs> Thank you. Holy shit. That's fucking cosmic. Derek, me and you should start a podcast because that's literally the question I was about to ask. In that scene where we see that blood spur, I, I'm still not, I'm kind of on the fence. Like, does she actually get shot there? Because we don't hear a gunshot. We just hear her head explode. I was wondering, could that be like a side effect of the tick? Like maybe the uber Lyme disease that these ticks have? <laughs> fuck humans up somehow or i don't know I, like what if, if i'm wrong if i just miss the gunshot that's fine I, i'm not trying to disagree with anybody but like is that what you're going with derek her head was just shot off 
I, I I think it was just exploded. You know, like you saw like the first time I seen this movie, mm-hmm. and you just see her eyes bleeding. You like I'm like what the fuck. <laughs> An effect I appreciate in any movie. Something yeah. about eyes bleeding always works for me. And it was just shocking because, you know, I, I like this is actually one of the characters I liked. And, you know, I liked that her, she, HUD liked her too. And it was, it was kind of affected HUD in a fucking negative way when it happened because it was just a state of shock after. And I liked that they did that. You know, you have like some reactions from the actual person holding the camera for once in a movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like See, I took it as it was the ticks and whatever they kind of transmit. I always took it it was that, that the bite had caused her to do it, which, I mean, I guess I could see where some people would think it could be the gunshot because when they find out she's been infected, they, you know, rush her off into that room. But, like, I was with you guys is that I thought it was that bite caused her to explode, and that's why they were kind of panicking because they know that it doesn't take long for that to happen. I know the shot would have been expensive, but my God, how great would that have been to watch her head explode and just <laughs> hundreds of little ticks come flying out of it. Ah. I, I like it the way they do it, dog. For, no, for, no, I like I, it because, again, yeah. it's got that little bit of ambiguity, that little bit of mystery. Mm-hmm. Did they kill her? Did they execute her? Or did her head fucking explode from the super rabies that, or from the super Lyme disease that she actually got? Uh, Don, you were going to say something? No, I was gonna say I I I subscribe to the the tick the Lyme disease explosion just because they freak out way too much for it to have been caused by them. Oh, that's yeah. true. I wasn't even thinking about that. They freak out in the room as well. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. Good that's call. What Good call. I, that's what I'm saying. I I I subscribe to that just because they freak out too much for it to have been them. Yeah, yeah. This movie also features the fastest stair climbers in the history of fucking humanity. They go up 59, count them, 5, 9, 59 flights of stairs in like two and a half minutes. They're like the Ghostbusters. Oh my god, I couldn't get over it. At first I thought the elevators might have still been working, but no, they, they were barely even tired. That's the other thing too. It's like, I understand adrenaline can push you through a lot of the, you know, uh, the hard work, but it's like once you get to the 59th floor and you stop running around, usually your body will crash a little bit from the adrenaline. Nope, they were all like, I just, I, I you know, I again suspension of disbelief. Oh, I'll allow yeah. it, but it is kind of silly. 59. Uh, uh, I don't even know a human that could go up 59 flights of stairs in like less than a half hour. <laughs> I can probably go 59 stairs in an hour. There you go. <laughs> I can't even go up fucking six at this break. <laughs> you know, like, Jesus Christ. I'd have been dead. I'd been like, I'm staying down here, guys. <laughs> you know, and fuck then, that. And then, folks, uh, I'm not sure how many of you guys uh, here with me, Don, David, uh, Derek, are even aware of this, but um, I think the universe wanted us to record this episode today. Um, folks, for those who don't know, this episode was actually supposed to be recorded a week ago, which would have been Sunday, May 15th. Um, but unfortunately, one of the other shows that Derek and I are on ended up getting postponed for the fucking week Mike. previous. Yeah, fucking Merriman. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so we ended up having to postpone this one to today. And today's date is May 22nd. Oh, shit. It's yes. the anniversary. <laughs> Clover Clover oh. attacks New York on May 22nd. It's fucking cosmic that we're recording today. That is. And, oh, and for those, yeah, for those who missed the line, basically 
at the end of the movie when Rob and Beth are doing their final testimonials, Rob looks into the camera and says, my name is Rob Hawkins. It's um, 6.42 a.m. on May 23rd, and approximately seven hours ago, the city was attacked. So literally, May 22nd. So I thought that was just so cool. So yeah, now, Because he, he does attack before midnight, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking, maybe we should thank Mike Merriman, I don't know. Nah. <laughs> uh, we, we won't clo- let him know. Clover will eat him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it might make his head a little too big. Yeah. I mean, that's it that I have on the movie. I've got some other like facts that I'm sure Derek has as well. You know, because we we both have this 4K release. But stuff like J.J. Uh, Abrams was actually inspired to make this film um, from a trip that he took to Tokyo with his son. And he basically, when he walked into like toy stores and like, you know, department stores and things like that in Tokyo, he was shocked at how much of a presence Godzilla still has over there. Like, you know, you can't go more than a couple of blocks in Tokyo without seeing some kind of Godzilla branding everywhere. And that's when him and Matt Reeves Mm kind of came up with the idea of, man, it sucks that America doesn't have, uh, you know, a creature like this, a kaiju if you will. So that was kind of their inspiration. They were, they were trying to make the American Godzilla, if you will. They went about it in an odd way. If they were, if they, if they were trying to make this a franchise where we got multiple Clover, Cloverfield movies about Cloverfield, I have to caveat that since we actually did get multiple Cloverfield movies, but only one of them is about Clover himself, the, the, the first creature, if you will. It would have been odd for them to try to create a franchise with him because then eventually he would have had to have become a good guy somehow. And I just don't see Cloverfield or I don't see Clover beating up other kaiju for the benefit of humanity. Unless they're more anorexic than him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if he could whoop their ass, then yeah, why not? Shit. Um, I mentioned earlier that the movie was shot in L.A., Some of it was actually shot in New York. The majority of the movie is shot in L.A. A lot of like the bodega scene, you know, the electronic store, that uh, stuff was all done in New York. They basically found a street corner in New York that looks exactly like the street corner on Orchard in um, in L.A. They found a street that looks like Orchard Street in L.A., but it's actually, you know, in New York. Uh, they shot all those scenes there. Uh, the subway scenes were actually shot on a set in, the, in a shipyard in San Pedro, mm-hmm. uh, which is about an hour and a half north of where I am in Los Angeles. Let's see. The helicopter slash uh, Central Park scene was actually shot in Santa Clarita. Uh, Santa Clarita is about one hour northeast of L.A., almost like on the way to Vegas. Like if you were if you were going from L.A. to Vegas, you would go by Santa Clarita. So I just found it interesting because, you know, most people just look at all of this as L.A., but it's like Santa Clarita is like two hours away from San Pedro, which is an hour and a half away from L.A., which is then about 36 hours away from New York, which is where they did indeed finish filming. They actually did close off a section of Orchard Street in New York and actually filmed a large part of that, you know, first night attack. Well, the only night, but, you know, the beginning of the attack, like the Statue of Liberty stuff, all that shit. So very cool. And then, like I said, the final week of filming was done in New York. So some of the Brooklyn Bridge scenes uh, were actually split between a set. As I mentioned, uh, the bridge scene was shot in Downey, California, and... And then they actually did shoot um, on Brooklyn, on the Brooklyn Bridge. So all the scenes on the Brooklyn Bridge where Clover is present or where any part of the bridge is being destroyed, that's the sound studio in Downey. 
But the very beginning of that scene where people are just walking onto the bridge trying to get across, that actually is the Brooklyn Bridge. So I always appreciate when films will actually shoot in the location they're supposed to be in. You know, the majority of this movie shot in L.A., but I think they did a, they do a pretty good job of convincing us as New York. I've been to New York. I'm from Connecticut originally. I've been to New York many times. So, yeah, it is a very convincing New York. Um, and that's about all I have, folks. David, before we wrap up the festivities, you have any uh, closing comments on Cloverfield? Anything else? Any other scenes you wanted to bring up or anything? Um, actually, I just wanted to go off of what you were saying there. Is I think that's where the actual found footage part helps in that you only have what the camera is showing you to do green screen for it. So I think it really does help to hide that it's not actually in New York just because everything is so erratic at times as well that they can Mm -hmm. just be like, we only really need to do it for this little section here because everything outside that viewfinder, nobody even can see anyway. So that was one of the things that actually impressed me because I was watching some of the special features ahead of this, and I thought that was kind of a cool thing. But, I mean, other than that, I definitely kind of echo a lot of the things that you guys have been saying. I do love how they set the tone with, like, the Statue of Liberty's head rolling down, you know, the street and everything in early on into the attack. And then, I mean, the subway scene, being in such closed in darkness like that is terrifying to begin with. And then, like, you have the rats going by, and then you're attacked by these creatures. And, I mean, I will also say, like, what Don was saying is that I don't really care for most of the characters, mm-hmm. but what they kind of do with, this, like, the monster and, like, the attack scenes, I'm just there for those aspects. And then just kind of setting it apart being a found footage kaiju is just an interesting take. I don't necessarily know, and I'm with you, is that I don't know if you can really make a franchise out of it like they you know, kind of were thinking, but I do like being a little bit different and taking advantage of this filming style to do something like this. It does make it a little bit easier with some of the things I was saying because you don't necessarily have to do the outside world around it, but yeah, I don't know if you're able to kind of build on that in the way they wanted to. If I loved characters in every kaiju movie, I wouldn't watch Godzilla vs. I wouldn't watch Godzilla vs. Kong ever again if that was the point. <laughs> yeah. We've had some bad human characterizations in kaiju movies of the past and even currently. I mean, mm. I'm not going to sit here and say I loved every character in Pacific Rim. I, I definitely yeah. wanted to slap the shit out of a couple of those. Oh, uh, the main character. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I see Don's point. I do. You know, Don doesn't want to... Don doesn't want to just ignore the human characterization just because it's a kaiju movie. You know, you you don't want to just unconditionally forgive a movie just <laughs> in one of your favorite subgenres. Yeah, so I absolutely sure. appreciate Don calling them out for that because if Don feels that way, there's got to be other people that feel that way. You know, Don is not an island un, unto himself. So uh, Don, by the way, do you have any closing comments on this one before we go? Sharknado 2 did the Statue of Liberty down the streets of New York better. Oh, I think you and I are the only people that agree with that, Don. It's been a while, so I don't know. Oh, Uh, And then last but definitely not least, Derek, you want any closing comments before we take off? Um, Cloverfield. Check it out. That's all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, so... All right, folks. Well, that's it for episode nine. 
Uh, once again, I want to thank Derek uh, very much. Uh, excuse me, not Derek. Fuck Derek. I want to thank David very much for <laughs> well, joining Derek us. Him, so you, you, you kind of have to give him a little bit of credit. I mean, <laughs> not a lot, but still. That's true. That's true. Um, so before we get out of here, Dave, why don't you let our listeners know where else they can find you, any guest spots that you've done. Oh, thank you. Well, my podcast that I do is, uh, as Derek said, a solo cast. It's Journey with a Cinephile, a horror movie podcast. As far as I know, that should be everywhere that you can find podcasts. I really haven't come across any kind of platforms that didn't have it. Outside of that, I do have a blog that I do as well that is horrorreview.webnode.com that kind of got me started on doing reviews. And then actually, I mean, listening to people like all of you on here is what got me into podcasts as well as to find you know, different movies that I hadn't seen as of yet. And, you know, and then as I started talking to people like you guys, I decided to, that this seemed fun and wanted to do it myself. It's always good, David. It's always good. You know, I killed a mm. podcast once. <laughs> <laughs> and you've mm. got, you've got a witness here with us. <laughs> yeah. I was a member. <laughs> oh god Derek I, Derek's probably killed more than one podcast he just doesn't have recollection of all of them I've been trying to kill a lot you're willing to admit it <laughs> exactly <laughs> alright folks well uh, once again thank you so much for joining us here we you know, we know your time is precious and any moment you get to spend with us listening to us talk about our favorite genre of horror or one of one of our favorite subgenres of horror again thank you very much on behalf of don and derek once again i am mr venom thanking you for joining us and we'll see you next month folks bye. let's say bye to the people bye. Later. I, gotta, I gotta go check this bite yeah. out Later. <laughs>